my goodness, I feel the presence of my friend in the house this morning. Can y'all feel him in this place? It is a great day to be in the house of God. You guys tuning in online, I'm just praying that what we're feeling here translates over to you. I know this, there's no distance that can block off the presence of God or the power of God. You know what I'm talking about? It's not like he can just, it just stops at the camera there and can't impact you where you are. So I'm praying that God impacts your life today. Again, thank you for joining us. Remember to like and share the live stream so we can reach as many people as we possibly can. How are we doing this morning? We in love with Jesus today? Yeah? All right. How about the people in the back? We're in love with Jesus today? Yeah, they almost are. You can hear it. They, they almost got there. Let's do it one more time. Are we in love with Jesus? Yeah. Oh, yes. I love it. Can't wait to dive into this word today. Let me encourage you with a couple of things, though. Um, one, first Wednesday, do not miss it. If you can possibly make it to first Wednesday, it is going to be absolutely amazing. I can't wait to see what God does. Can you imagine a night where we just set aside everything? just to dive into the presence of God and let him speak to us and impact our lives. That's going to be powerful. Two, uh, elevate on the 7th. Listen to me. If you're involved in any area of ministry at Eastgate Church, you are strongly encouraged to be there. This is where we get together to discuss the vision and where God is taking us as a church. If you're uh, a guest here, um, you're more than welcome to be there. If you've just been attending Eastgate Church off and on for the last several months, this is an opportunity for you to learn more about who we are as a church and what our heart is and what we're all about. So it's a great way for you to just jump in and audit what's going on with no commitment at all and find out what the church is all about. And I'll tell you this, this Elevate gathering that we're having on the 7th is going to be amazing. Okay, um, if you're there on the 7th, um, you're going to kind of get some insider information on what God has been speaking to me and speaking to your staff as far as the direction of our church is for this year, um, the ministries that are going to be launched, what God is speaking to us. Um, you're going to hear it first at Elevate. We're not going to cover any of that other information until probably the 28th of February at the annual business meeting. So if you want to be on the inside and you want to know what's going on and you want to know what to pray about, um, let me encourage you to be at Elevate on February the 7th. It's going to be an amazing, an amazing meeting. I wish I'm about to blow up right now <laughs> because I'm so excited about what God is speaking to us and your leadership team and staff, um, what he's speaking to us about the direction of our church and what we're stepping into and the ministries that are going to be launched this year. So excited about it. So that's a very important meeting. Uh, please, please, please don't miss that. We got child care. So it'd be great. Mamas, you can come and turn your kids loose for a little bit and just kick back and relax and enjoy the vision of the church. Super Bowl party, I will plug this. Are y'all ready for a good Super Bowl? Yeah. I know it's going to be a great Super Bowl because Tom Brady's not in it. It's going to be amazing. Uh, look, <laughs> or, or Aaron Rodgers for that matter. Uh, listen, if, you're, if you are a, a Brady fan or a Rodgers fan, I'm not throwing shade. It's just nice to see something different. It's nice to see something different, uh, especially Brady. Uh, dude's got enough rings, so I heard he may be retiring. We'll see what's going on with that as it goes, so we'll see how it goes, but I'm excited about Super Bowl party. Y'all like food? Yeah. Man, this is a, whatever you're, you just throw down on is your absolute best Super Bowl food that you can make. Bring it. 
on Super Bowl Sunday. We're going to break the fast hot and heavy. Oh, man, it's going to be great. Don't worry. We'll we got you covered in prayer so nothing crazy happens should you break it too aggressively. <laughs> but it's going to be a great time. Football, fun. Um, Texas Hold'em. You guys like to play Texas Hold'em. We'll have lots of video games. We'll have a lot of stuff going on besides football that evening. Um, and it'll be a great time to invite some people to bring with you that might not be connected to the church, but they're connected to you. So it'll be a great opportunity to bring friends so that we can show them some love and eat some good food and hopefully watch a fabulous football game that comes right down to the wire. Right down to the wire. I hate blowout games. I really do. I hate blowouts unless it's the kind of blowout that, oh, I want to apologize to everybody right now for what just happened. People are cussing in the church. You start talking about football too long, people start shouting out stuff, and I just mm, did not intend for that ugliness to, to happen this morning. Let's just take a moment of prayer. Father, please be with Pastor Jeremy. <laughs> Whatever it takes, God, let him get saved today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So be kidding. <laughs> Uh, if you got your Bibles or your tablets, uh, open them up to the book of James, chapter 5. This is kind of kind of a cornerstone verse for this little season that we have, focusing on prayer and fasting. This whole, this whole first part of the year for us as a church has been about taking next steps. Taking that next step closer to God, that next step towards who he's called us to be, that next step in whatever it is that he's laying on our heart to do for his kingdom is taking that next step. Because your journey in your relationship with God is in steps, one step at a time, stepping out in obedience to where he's calling you to go and who he's calling you to be. And, and that's been our focus, to take that next step, to draw closer to him. And that's what we've been focused on in this time of prayer and fasting. You guys enjoying this so far? Man, I am so on fire spiritually, it's ridiculous. I'm trying really hard not to just blow up on the stage right now. God has been speaking to me so much over the last week, and I pray that he's been speaking to you guys at the same level, believe that he is. So James 5 is a great passage of Scripture on prayer. Verse 16 says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. Pray for one another. Pray for one another. You know, it's okay to pray for one another and not just be caught up in what's going on in your own little world. Not that it's not important, but we're called to pray for one another too. We say at this church that no one walks alone, and we believe that. We believe that we're supposed to lift each other up and cover each other in prayer that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Do you believe that? Do you believe that your prayers had the power to move heaven and cause what is happening in the heavenly realms to be manifested on the earth? Do you believe that there is power in your prayer where you can stand and speak that which is not as though it were and see it take form because of the faith that you're operating in? Do you believe that you can lay hands on the sick and see them healed? Do you believe that there is power in your prayer? I believe that there is power in prayer. The Bible just said there's power in prayer, but there's a qualifier for that. And I don't mean to, to, get, to get dirty and mean right out the gate, but it says that the effective, fervent prayer of a what kind of person? A oh, righteous person. Here now, the water starts to get a little muddy. 
What does righteous mean? So what does righteous mean? What, what does it mean to be a righteous person? If you want your prayer to operate the way that it's supposed to, there's some qualifiers that have to fall into place. You understand that, right? So you have to be a righteous person. Righteousness means that we're in right standing with God. Right standing with God, simple definition. We're in right standing with God. You cannot, and I'll, I'll, listen to me, you cannot live a life of willful sin and expect to have power in your prayer. Can't. But, Pastor, we're covered by the blood of Jesus and the grace of God. Absolutely, we are. Praise God for that. He's the one that makes us righteous. He takes on our sin, and he gives us robes of righteousness, the Bible says. So we're righteous because of what Jesus did. Yeah, but we can still choose to operate outside of that righteousness. We can still choose to willfully sin. And, and if you want your prayer to have the power that it's supposed to pray, and I don't know why God wanted me to put this on the front end, but he did. Um, you've got to make sure that sin is not an issue. Okay? That sin is not an issue. If you want to see that kind of power, then you've got to stand in righteousness. Not in perfection, but in righteousness and a close relationship with Jesus. In relationship with him. Because it's out of relationship that everything flows. It's out of relationship that God has moved. And it's out of relationship with him that we know that we're praying in step with his will. And that unlocks a lot more than we think that it does. So willful sin has got to go. If you want to go deeper in your prayer life, if you want to see God move, if you want to see the miraculous take place, willful sin has to end. What does that mean, Pastor? That means that you can't stand in church and lift up your hands and praise God and then go home and watch porn five nights of the week and expect to have power in your prayer. Okay, You can't gossip and slander about everybody in the church and half the people that you know and expect to have power in your prayer. That's what I'm saying. Those things we can choose to do, willfully choosing to do those things. That's what I'm talking about. Um, there's an elderly lady on a fixed income, didn't have a lot of money, but she had a powerful prayer life. And so she would go to the Lord in prayer sometimes two, three times a day, and just pray just to thank him. And she would, now, she would pray like a grandmama is supposed to pray. Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say a grandmama's prayer. I mean, I, I think a grandmother's prayer can accomplish just about anything. And I want my grandmama's praying for me to accomplish our Lord. Thank you for this day. She would just thank you for the day. Thank you for his blessings. And, and she would go into the special room in her house and open up the window and just shout pray and shout and pray and shout and pray. Well, she had a next-door neighbor who was an atheist. And he would get home about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and what he liked to do was go sit out on his patio in the back and drink a cup of tea and just relax from what he'd done that day. Well, one of her prayer times was about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And so he got so aggravated with her, he would go out there and try to relax, and she would, he'd just hear her, Oh, Lord, thank you, God. Thank you for providing. Lord, I thank you that you just have got a provision in my life and this, that, and the other. And, and it would just drive him insane. What is she doing? She's just talking to the air. There's no such thing as God. This, this woman is literally wasting her time. Well, 
she had an appliance break in her house. She had to spend extra money on getting the appliance fixed, and she didn't have enough money to cover her grocery bill. So that afternoon, she was praying, Lord, you know what's going on in my life. You know I don't have the money to buy food because I had to get these, these things fixed in the house. Lord, I'm asking you to provide. Lord, please provide. Please provide the money. Please provide the groceries. Lord, I know that you can do it. And the atheist said, you know what? I've had just about enough of this. I'm going to fix this. So he said, I'm going to go, and I'm going to buy that woman groceries. I'm going to put it on her front door. And when she opens up the door, she's going to think that God provided for it. And I'm going to let her know that I was the one that did it. And that God doesn't exist, and that whole belief system is stupid. So he went to the store. He bought like two weeks' worth of groceries, set them down in front of the front door, bop, 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 beat on the door, and went and hid behind the bushes. And the old lady came up and opened up the front door and just saw two weeks' worth of groceries right there on her front porch. And she said, oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for providing for me, Lord. Thank you. And the atheist jumped out from behind the bushes and said, aha. I got you. It wasn't God. It was me. I went and bought those groceries. I paid for those groceries. I put them on your doorstep. I'm the one that did it. And the old lady looked at the atheist and said, hmm, Lord, I thank you for providing for me, and I thank you for using the devil to get it done, Lord. <laughs> See, when, <laughs> when you're praying right, when you're praying right, God can bring the answer to prayer in a lot of different, from a lot of different areas. And listen, I'm so excited about this season, guys, because I'm excited about, one, us drawing closer to God, but I'm excited about what God is going to be doing in us. Because everything that's ahead of us this year and everything that's ahead of us in life hinges on what we allow God to do in us. Because he's always going to do something in us before he does something through us. And Prayer is just birthed out of your relationship with God. I think prayer is more of an alignment tool than it is a tool to get things done on earth. We like to think of prayer as us going to God with our request, but I think in its essence as we're drawing closer to God in prayer, we are now in the presence of God. And the presence of God transforms us from the inside out. The presence of God, when we're in the presence of God, it allows the Holy Spirit to bear and produce his fruit in our lives. You remember we spent a chunk of last fall talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit and how that operates in our lives. So as we draw closer to him, all of that works, and there's a change that happens inside of us, and his thoughts become our thoughts. His ways become our ways. His heart becomes our heart. There's an alignment there. So prayer, I think, is not so much about Moving God is about getting us in alignment with God's will for our lives. You know, and, and I think in a real way, prayer tunes your heart or my heart to God's. That's what prayer does. It tunes your heart or my heart to God's. It gets us in tune with God. And check out what tune means. I think it's kind of interesting. Think about this from a spiritual perspective. It, it means to bring into harmony to adjust for precise function, intensity, or effectiveness. Whew. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could say of our prayer lives that 
We are in harmony with God, adjusted for precise function, intensity, and effectiveness. It's a big difference between praying what we want and being in alignment with what God wants for our lives. And it's a deeper, it's a deeper work of prayer is that it doesn't just get things done, it gets things done here. And I've got uh, Dave and, and Pastor Jeremy are going to help me out with an illustration here real fast, talking about getting our hearts in tune with God's heart. How many of you like good music? I love good music. Everybody shout out your favorite band. It doesn't matter if it's Christian or, or not. Favorite band ever. One, two, three. That was a... That's, that's what I heard. I'm sure is a great band. <laughs> but, but God, God spiritually, just for the sake of this illustration, has a tune and a rhythm that he operates in. Now, I hope this doesn't go to his head, but we're going to let Pastor Jeremy play God this morning. <laughs> All right. So, if God's tune and rhythm sounds like this, when we try to come into his presence with our agenda and our list of wants and requests without letting him do a work in us, you know what I mean? Then our tune doesn't match the tune that God is playing and we sound something like this right here. Doesn't that make you peaceful inside? Oh man, there's people online right now trying to jump out a window. I get it, I get it. So, Dave, hold on just a second. But see, that's what we sound like when we come in with just a list of things that we want without first asking God if this is what he wants for our lives. You know what I'm saying? So God's got his rhythm that he's playing in, but if we come in playing our own song again and it sounds horrible like this. So this sounds like God, I want the relationship, and God says no to the relationship. This sounds like, God, I want to fill in the blank, whatever it is, without first consulting him and asking him if it's his will, it sounds like this. You got his will, and then you've got our agenda. Two completely different things. Listen, you are never going to move God with your agenda. But you will see powerful things happen when you line up with his will in your life. Now, that doesn't mean that God won't give you some of the things that you're asking for. Yeah, he will. He cares about that stuff. That's important to you. It's important to him. But his will is always going to... Have y'all had just about enough of this crazy music playing behind me? See what I'm saying? Now, can you imagine how this sounds to God? But when we line up our will with his will and we get in tune with his spirit, something beautiful happens. Now we're moving in step with him. God, this is not my life, this is your life. God, this is not even my will. I want your will done in my life. Lord, this is not about me, this is about you. This is about how I through the time that you've given me on this earth can lift you up 
and exalt you and reach as many people as I can for you. God, speak to me and show me what you want me to do. Tell me what you want me to say. Lord, lead me where you want me to go. God, I have no other agenda but yours. I have been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. I don't belong to myself anymore. I belong to you. I'm hidden in Christ Jesus. Father, show me how I can serve others and glorify your name. And we say the same thing that Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. Oh, man, that's when powerful things begin to happen. I can listen to this all day, and so can God. Give them a hand for helping us out this morning. Thank y'all so much. See, prayer tunes our hearts to God's heart. That's what it's about. It's about us drawing closer to him and capturing his will. And most people don't even stop to consider. We, we go a lot of times in prayer out of desperation to God. And there are desperate moments in life that are legitimate. But if there's no foundation of relationship there, then desperation curves to our will a lot more than it does to trusting in God's will in any given situation. Um, if, if prayer tunes us to God, then fasting removes interference. If prayer tunes us into God, then fasting removes interference. You guys ever had satellite TV? Man, then you know where I'm going with this. Satellite TV is awesome sometimes. The satellite is pointed in the right direction and it's lined up perfectly to receive the signal from the source so that that signal from the source can go from the receiver to your TV and you can watch whatever you want to watch. But if there's enough interference, it doesn't matter how aligned the satellite is. And the signal is still the signal, but the interference, you see, begins to dilute it and block it. And when it rains enough and it storms enough and there's enough interference in the sky, that signal is gone. Y'all see that loss of signal or signal loss thing that bounces around here? Yeah. Well, the, the same kind of interference in our lives can disrupt what God is trying to speak to us. What fasting does is it helps to remove that interference. Fasting is a season or a period of time that God calls us into where we set aside that interference and we trim back the kudzu, as it were, in our lives to refocus on him in a deeper, more intense way. This is why fasting is so powerful. This is why fasting should go hand in hand with prayer in seasons. Um, think about in things that interfere with you right now, hearing from God or your walk with God. And think about this. If a lot of people, just for example, um, they watch the news a lot. But if you watch too much news and that's all you see, do you think that that can interfere with your outlook in the world? Oh, absolutely, especially 24-hour news. Holy smokes, man. All you hear is the world's falling apart, politicians are crooked, people don't do what they say they're supposed to do, and we're in trouble. Plague, plague, financial problem, financial problem, all the time. And you know what's crazy? You know what they were talking about in Jesus' day? The world's falling apart. Politicians are corrupt. 
People aren't doing what they said they were supposed to do. Plagues, plagues, problems, problems. Nothing's changed because we live in a world that's full of trouble. But praise God, Jesus has overcome this world. Amen? So, listen, I bet if you cut out, just for the sake of an example, if you cut out the interference of the news and just focus on God during that time, there'll be a peace that comes into you that you didn't have before. And here's what's crazy. Well, I know what you're thinking. Well, Pastor Josh, if I cut out news for the last couple of weeks of this fast, I'm not going to know what's going on in the world. Yeah, that's part of the point. That's part of the point. And here's a deeper perspective. How about this? Do you think that God is able to keep this world going for the next couple of weeks while you don't watch the news? Probably so. Uh, social media is another one. Man, oh, man, that's one that I've, I've cut out big time um, over this week, and it's been cool how much time that's opened up because you don't have an appreciation for how much time you spend on social media till you start trimming it back. You know, and I use it for a lot of ministry purposes, but, man, I fall in that hole too. Man, so-and-so did what? Ah, that's a crazy, what? Ah, 45 minutes, are you joking me? You know what I mean? So I get it. And you know what? Um, another thing that you can cut back, which is the truer form of fasting, is food. It's food. Because when you reduce the food, you weaken the flesh, and it removes the interference of the flesh and allows the spirit to grow stronger, and you're able to hear God more clearly and experience his presence in a more powerful way. You know, when you look at the life of, of Jesus, you see a couple of things that he did um, to make sure that the airways were clear and that he was in tune with his father's plan and, and will for his life. And Luke chapter 5 is a, a great example of just for what Jesus was known for. It says, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Often. He did it all the time. Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Could that be said of you? You know, we wonder sometimes why we don't see the power of God in operation in our lives, but do we withdraw often for prayer? You know, if you were going to take Jesus' name out of this and put your own in there, just for the sake of doing it, I'll put mine in this. But Josh often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Would that be true of me? Would it be true of you? You know, Jesus operated with power because he made sure he was in tune with his Father's heart. And you see another thing in the life of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 with regard to fasting. Um, his mindset on it was like it was just an everyday thing. Like it was just a given that people were going to do this. And Matthew 16, or Matthew 6 rather, verse 16 says, And when you fast, don't make it obvious. I'm going to back up here. He said when you fast, not if you fast, not should you decide to fast. You know, if, if you're captured by a, a whim and you feel so desired, and you fast. He says, no, when you fast, because it was a common thing for him. It was a common thing in that day. And really, in the life of a believer, fasting should be a common occurrence in our lives, not just for seasons like this 21 days of prayer and fasting we're in now, but, I mean, on a regular schedule in our lives. Fasting should accompany prayer because of what it accomplishes alongside a prayer. If you think about people in the Bible, um, Moses spent a time of fasting um, before he went up to the top of the mountain to, to be with God. Um, you look at Elijah. Elijah fasted. Daniel fasted. You look at the majority of the prophets. They all 
fasted. David fasted in his life. If you look into the New Testament, uh, Paul fasting. It, fasting was a common thing. If you look at other scriptures for the New Testament church, um, prayer and fasting was a common thing. And even in the life of Jesus, he prayed, but he fasted also. There was an occurrence where the disciples couldn't cast a demon out of a person. And Jesus came up and said, get out of here. And the demon went, ah, and, and was gone. And the disciples were like, what, what's the deal? How come you could do it and we can't? And Jesus said this. He said, these only come out by prayer and fasting. There's an element of spiritual power that you don't operate in if you're not fasting and having that in a regular rhythm of your walk with God. Um, there's a level of spiritual authority, apparently, off of what Jesus said, that you don't get to operate in without fasting walking hand in hand with prayer from time to time in your walk with God. So Jesus says, well, don't make it obvious when you do it, as the hypocrites do, and then try to look, for, and try to look miserable and disheveled so that people would admire them for fasting. What he's saying is don't do it for the sake of doing it. Don't do it to look super spiritual. Don't fast lunch one day and then hop on Facebook and put, oh, I thank God that he gave me the strength to fast lunch today. It was so difficult, but I give God all the glory for what he's doing in my life. Well, you just, what Jesus says is um, you just got all the reward that you're going to get from it. But when you do fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice what you, that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. Now check this out. And your father, who sees everything, will reward you. Did you know that when you fast, that God rewards you? Think about that for a second. That, that there's a, an aspect of blessing of God in your life that is tied to fasting and setting things aside to draw closer to the Lord. It's crazy. And I think... One of the reasons why is because fasting creates extra space for God to fill in an extraordinary way. Fasting creates extra space for God to fill in an extraordinary way. So I think part of that blessing is that, um, man, <laughs> there's, there's such a huge spiritual benefit that comes from it because we're removing interference and creating extra space for God to be able to do something in our lives and through our prayers as we're tagging fasting to it to add urgency to it. There's so many, so many powerful things that begin to happen. But I want to jump on this for a second because fasting is supposed to create extra space for God. Some people during periods of fasting give up a favorite TV show. Some people through periods of fasting will give up like social media um, or they will give up something specific like caffeine. Oh, 21 days of prayer and fasting? I'm fasting caffeine. Awesome. I'm giving up sugar. I will not eat anything sweet at all for the next 21 days. That's awesome. Question, how is that creating extra space for God in your life? If it's not creating extra space, you're not fasting. You're just going on a diet. You're just giving up sugar. See, it doesn't work the same as Lent. Okay? Where for Lent, I'm going to give up this thing for this period of time. That's not the same thing as fasting. 
Fasting is the giving up of something to create room or space for God in our lives that he did not already have. So if you're going to give up sugar, that's awesome. If you're going to give up caffeine, that's great. So how are you creating space now for God to operate? I don't know how many hours a day you spend eating sugar or drinking caffeine. So you take those hours of the day maybe and set them aside for God, say, I'm going to give this stuff up. But maybe a better plan is to say, I'm going to give this stuff up, but I'm going to add an extra 30 minutes every day for me to just sit in the presence of God and be in his word and let him speak into my life. Now you're creating space for God to do something in your life. Okay, the same thing with with fasting food. Um, Some of us are on Daniel fast right now. That's awesome, but if you're not creating space for God, you're just on a diet. You just changed how you are eating. See what I'm saying? It's gotta create space for God. And when you do that, he begins to move in an extraordinary way. We've got promises in the Bible for us growing closer to God. Jeremiah 29, uh, verse 13 says, If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. God doesn't play hide and seek with us. He doesn't play hide and seek with us. If you seek after him, you will find him. You will encounter him. He will reveal himself to you on a deeper level. If you are setting aside that time and pursuing him, he will meet you where you are and blow you away. That's what the Bible says. He will never, 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 never not meet you when you set aside time for him. So fasting sets aside that extra time as we clear out interference and we give up certain things that take up blocks of time or give more strength to our flesh than it really needs. And we lay that stuff down and create time to draw closer to him. He begins to do amazing things because fasting is the deliberate denial of self in order to draw close to God and add urgency to prayer. It's the deliberate denial of self in order to draw close to God and add urgency to prayer. This is why I encourage everyone, if you physically can, some people medically can't do this, but if you physically and medically can do this, I encourage everyone to go through a period of time where you're not eating any food at all. That's it. In its essence, that's what fasting really is, that you're denying yourself food so that your flesh becomes weak, so that you can show the urgency of what you're asking God for. You understand urgency? God, I just pray for your blessing in my life. That's not urgent. That's not urgent. God, I just lost my job, and I have no idea where the income's going to come from. Lord, I'm trusting you with everything right now. Lord, please come through. Now, that's a little bit urgent. You know what I mean? God, I just pray that my children grow up to be amazing followers of you and do great things. That's not an urgent prayer. Lord, my kid's hooked on drugs, and I need you to move powerfully in their life right now and do something to set them free because nothing else is working. That's urgency in prayer. It's different. It's different. So why, why does all of this matter? Why fasting and prayer? Some people think fasting is just something a little super spiritual, and it's really something that's really practical that has a powerful spiritual payoff to it. And I'll show you how this works. is we're denying ourselves in order to draw close to God and add urgency to prayer. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way and make your whole spirit, 
and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Notice how this is worded. Not body, soul, and spirit, but spirit, soul, and body. We are spiritual beings. Okay, you get that, right? We're having an earthly experience, but we are spiritual beings. You are going to spend eternity somewhere. And it's either going to be ruling and reigning with Christ, or it's going to be in hell and eventually at a lake of fire. Okay, you're a spiritual being that's going to continue on in an eternal capacity somewhere. So we're spiritual beings. Our spirit, our spirit is what has the direct connection to God. Okay? Spirit connection to God. Our soul, where our mind, will, and emotions are, this is how we communicate to ourselves. This is how we know ourselves. So spirit is how we communicate to God. It's who we are spiritually. Soul is how we communicate to ourselves, or we, how we get our identity. Our body is how we connect to the outside world through our senses. Spirit, soul, body. Or it's body, soul, and spirit, depending on which one is in charge. Either our flesh or our spirit. And our identity and how we identify and who we identify as as a person is influenced by which one of these two is in charge. What going through a season of prayer does is it connects us to God and strengthens our relationship with him. What fasting does is it denies our flesh and what we want and causes it to weaken. And as this weakens and this grows stronger, our perception of ourselves and who God is changes dramatically. And it makes a powerful impact in our lives. Are you following me? So what we want to do is this. Hey, and this the last couple of weeks that we have here of this, of this season of prayer and fasting to draw as close to him as we possibly can and cut out that interference so that we can clearly hear from him and clearly know our identity and be closer to him than we ever have before so that we can operate in his will for our lives and not just our own. Everybody say his will, not mine. His will is what's important. Having said that, there are things that go on in our lives that matter to us, and they matter to God. He even said in in Matthew, he said, hey, um, I know you need food. I know you need clothing. I know you have needs in your life. I know these things. I know, I know, I know, I know. But if you seek me first... I'll not only give you the things that you need, but I'll also give you some of the things that you want. He cares about what's going on in our lives. And I know in this room today, there are powerful needs that are represented. There's a card in the seat in front of you, in a little pocket. If you will, everybody grab this little card. On it, it says, I am praying and fasting for. I am praying and fasting for. Now listen. Let me take some pressure off of you. We're in a season of prayer and fasting as a church. The fasting police are not going to come to your house and knock on your door 
and put you through a polygraph to find out if you've really been fasting or not. That's between you and God. That's the beauty about this whole thing. It's between you and God. We're just setting aside this time for us to take a step or maybe even a couple of steps closer to God than we've ever been before. Between you and him. But I know there's needs in here. I want you to take a pen. should be one in the seat around you. If there's not, look around. There should be one pretty close by. If not, wave your hand. Maybe we can get the ushers to bring one to you or somebody can share. I want you to write down what you're believing God for. Now, some of you are already writing, and I think that's awesome. Let me give you some direction in case you don't know what to write for. What? What do you need in your life? What's the need? How many people in your family need Jesus? What's the financial need in your life? What's the need with your children? So write it down. Why are we writing it down? Well, the Bible says to take the vision, you write it down, and you make it plain. We're writing down and making plain what we're believing for God to do in our lives. Well, can I write down that I want a new bass boat? You know what? You can write it down and you can put it to prayer. I think God will reveal it to you one way or another. What's important to you in this season? Are you praying and searching for a spouse? Something that you can put down. What are we believing God for? What about your calling? What you're on this earth to do? And you guys that are watching online, grab a piece of paper and you can do the same thing. I don't want you to disconnect or if you're listening to this later on the podcast, grab a piece of paper. What are you believing God for in this season? What are you asking God to do in this season? If you run out of room on the front, there's plenty of room on the back. What do you believe in God for? Here's another filter for you. What what needs to happen so much in your life? that would cause you to urgently seek after the Lord to see it resolved or to see it answered. I feel the presence of God in this place. God cares for each and everything that we're writing down on these cards, and he's given us the framework with which to see a lot of this happen draw closer to him in prayer but to supplement our prayer with fasting there's a verse in the bible that says with in everything with prayer and supplication make your request known to god supplication is something that goes along with the prayer it would be worship it would be fasting those are the main two things to accompany the times of prayer i am praying and fasting for Now, this is between you and God. Part of the reason why we wrote this down is because I cannot wait for us to be able to take a pen 
and mark through these one at a time as God answers them. How many of you believe that we serve a God that answers prayer? Amen. He answers prayer, but the prayer's got to be from someone who is standing in righteousness. The prayer's got to be someone who is more concerned about God's will for their life than their own. And the prayer gets extra power, the Bible says, through the urgency that comes from fasting. This is what I want to do as a church. I want to invite you to take your little cards. And I know some of you are probably still writing, and that's cool. Um, You can finish it now, or you can finish it during prayer time. You can finish it after church. It's fine, but for the sake of time here, I want to move this to the next step. We've all written stuff on these cards. Now, I want us as the church to bring these cards down to the altar and present them before the Lord. So, I'm just, no one, two, three, bow your heads, close your eyes, anything like that. You wrote something down on that card, get out of your seat and come up to the front. And you guys at home, um, symbolically, uh, lay this before the Lord at an altar at your home. And we're going to begin to pray over this. I open the invitation. Nobody's brave enough to move yet. So you guys that wrote something down on that card, I want you to stand up. Let's do step one. Stand up. I want you to get out of your seat, out of your aisle. I want you to come down to the front here to the altar so that we can present these things to the Lord. If you physically can. I know some of us physically can't. But if you can, come on down here. Why do you do this, Josh? One, the symbolism of what we're doing is powerful. I didn't see you write anything on your card, Josh. Don't worry, I've got a card already filled out. I'm showing you this one and it's blank. I've got my own card filled out. There's some powerful things that I'm believing the Lord for.